Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Jeff Wickwire. Dr. Wickwire is the founding and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. For more than 25 years, he's been known for his passionate and practical proclamation of the scriptures. Now here's Pastor Jeff with the message entitled, Destinations After His Return. Continue today talking about Jesus' answer to three questions his disciples asked him. And I'll read those questions in just a moment, but now we're coming to the end of his discourse. He answered in a very lengthy message that was so profound, so powerful, so breathtaking in its scope that you really are sort of blown away if you read it and think about what you're reading. But he wraps up this response to the questions in verse 31 all the way through 46, but I'm going to read the first three verses. Everybody say when, not if, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Say with me, bah. When I'm done today, you're going to want to be a sheep. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Help us as a church body to keep on the front burner of our faith the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. You can be seated. God bless you. And I thank you so much for being here today. And so good to see all of you. Kathy and I love you. We pray for you. We're believing God to greatly enrich your walk with God and your spiritual growth. Now remember, Jesus is answering three questions from his disciples, even in the verses we just read. It begins in Matthew 24. He begins to answer in Matthew 24, and he goes all the way through the end of Matthew 25, answering the three questions. Now here's the three questions. They asked him, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? When will these things be, they said to him. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say, hey boys, you got it wrong. I'm not coming back. See, they understood he was coming back. And they said, we want to know the sign of that return. We want to know what is going to be the sign of your coming. Jesus fully received that statement and answered it. And for weeks now we've been going through this because I believe it's healthy for a body of believers to be always looking for the return of Christ. Jesus replied in several ways. He replied by predicting that there would be an increase in several things with increasing frequency. Like a woman in birth pangs. Those birth pangs begin and they're a certain amount of time apart. And then as the birth comes closer and closer, the pangs come closer and closer. And with greater frequency and greater intensity. Jesus said, all right, here's some of the signs. False Christ will appear and deceive many. Wars and rumors of wars. Famines will seize the throat of the world. Pestilences, 
in many places and earthquakes with increasing intensity and increasing frequency. These, he said, would be the beginning of sorrows, comparing them to birth pangs, the beginning of sorrows. When you see all these things, it's only the beginning of the, really, the birth pangs that lead to the birth of a new world. These are the painful birth pangs that lead to the appearance, the birthing, the arrival of a new world. These events would climax in what Jesus called the Great Tribulation. These general signs, false Christs, wars, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes would culminate in or lead up to the Great Tribulation. Jesus said the Tribulation will be so great, it's unlike anything the world has ever seen. World War I was horrible. World War II was indescribable. But what happens in the Great Tribulation is unlike anything the world has ever seen. Jesus said it will be so strong, so cataclysmic, that if those days were not shortened, no flesh would even be saved. And then, Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 25, that the great climactic event following all these things will be the return of Christ to the earth. Jesus returns to the earth. Jesus said these words, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And all the tribes of the earth, all the nations of the world will mourn. And they will see with their own eyes the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. They will see it. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones, the angels, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. When Jesus returns, it says in the Bible that when Jesus ascended up into glory, it says the disciples were watching him go up. And finally an angel appeared and said, why are you looking up into the sky? Get busy, preach the gospel. For the same way he left, he will return. So what does that mean? When Jesus returns in his visible appearance to earth, he's going to come to the Mount of Olives. He will land on the Mount of Olives. And he will then commission his holy angels, the mighty, brilliant, shining, angelos messengers of God, the angels. They will sweep the earth. They'll go to Europe, Africa, India, America, north, south, east, and west. The angels of God will be commissioned. Think about it. Amazing. And they gather the entire human race harvesting all people. Summing up this portion of his talk, Jesus said, when you see these things, the signs and the wonders that I've talked to you about, know that I am near even at the very door. Then Jesus launched into three parables. He never got up, and I want you to understand this, and this is why I've been preaching it and teaching it this way. He is sitting where they first approached him with these three questions. He gives these general signs but he's not getting up. He's continuing his discourse. And he launches into three parables. Each parable dealing with a different aspect of his return. Each parable pointing to something he will be looking for in his church when he arrives. Every one of those three parables is to be taken in light of the return of Christ. Now, I've taken you through these parables. Let me just capsulize them really quickly. The first parable is about a faithful and evil servant. 
And it focuses on the relationship between the expectation of his return and how we in the church treat one another. The message of Jesus in the first parable is if you live with expectation that he's coming back, you will love one another and behave the way that you know he wants you to. It is people who lose sight of his return, who lose the fear of the Lord, who begin to beat their fellow servants and backslide into the world. That's the first parable. The second parable is about five wise and five foolish virgins, and it focuses on preparation for his return. First parable, expectation of his return. Second parable, preparation for his return. And the second parable of the virgins stresses each believer's responsibility to keep the oil of the Holy Spirit burning in their hearts by maintaining a vital ongoing relationship with Christ. You are the keeper of your own flame. That's what the second parable is telling us. Those five virgins who were unwise did not keep their lamps filled with oil. The oil is a clear picture of the Holy Ghost, and it is a clear indicator that these five foolish virgins were pictures of people who did not keep their ongoing relationship with Christ intact, and the oil burned out, and they burned out, and they were the losers. That's the second parable. Third parable of the talents focuses on rewards at his return and how we made use of the giftings and the abilities given to each of us. Remember last week I talked to you about God has given all of us the goods, the love of Christ, the peace of the Lord, the message of the gospel. He has given all of us the goods and he's given all of us at least one gift by which to distribute the goods. That's the message of the third parable. So here they are again. Can you say with me expectation of his return? Preparation for his return and rewards at his return. That's the three parables. And all of them are answering the three questions they asked him. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? What will be the sign of the end of the age? Then he gives those three parables. All three of them give us a responsibility. Responsibility for one another in the first parable. Responsibility for ourselves in the second. And responsibility for his goods in the third. He's coming back to his church. And he's going to want to know how we treated each other. He's going to want to know if we invested the talents he gave us to distribute his goods. And he's going to want to know if we were looking for his return. Now Jesus wraps all this up in the remainder of chapter 25. He's wrapping it all up. He is bringing his discussion to a close. He's no longer speaking in parables in verses 31 through 46. He's talking plainly now. And here's what he plainly says. I'm coming back and I'm going to judge. So let me just take what he says in these last verses in the last part of this chapter and let me just bring this home to us because now as the disciples heard it, I want us to hear it. Here he gives four facts to keep on the front burner of our faith. The first one is he will return. Jesus will return. He is coming back. That is not a metaphor, that is not an allegory, that is not some myth or fable. As he came as a little baby born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem, all God, all man, he will also come again, not as the Lamb of God, but as the Lion of Judah to execute judgment on all the world. He will return and he wants us to know that and he taught us in the parables as long as you have that reality on the foremost of your mind as long as you have it in your faith you're looking for it 
It makes all the difference in the world in your walk with Jesus. He will return. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he's coming again. This is the most spectacular event in the history of the world, and it's on the horizon. Jesus said, it's knocking on the door. It is right at the door. Jesus is coming back. He said, it's near, it's right at the door. Now, he told us some things about that return, and let me just share them with you. He said, first of all, keep in mind, it will be unexpected, and it will be sudden. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. It'll be sudden. Not too long ago, I was looking up in the sky and it just seemed to me, I saw lightning and it was like it shot from the east to the west. It just flashed across the sky. And the Lord seemed to say to me, that's what it's going to be like when I return. People are not going to be expecting it. They are not going to be looking for it. He said it will be like it was in the days of Noah. They'll be eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, going to work, coming home, having families, living, dying, being born, life as usual. And it'll be a midnight hour according to the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. It'll be in the midnight hour when everything is dark and all are asleep. Suddenly, he will come, unexpected. And when he does, it'll be eternally too late to get right with him. The time to get right with God is now. It says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is your salvation. Get saved now. Get right with him now. Come to him now. Walk with him now. Cultivate a relationship with him now. Because when he comes, then it's too late. Jesus said his return is going to be visible to the entire world. Listen to what the Message Bible says. Then comes the arrival of the Son of Man. It will fill the skies. No one will miss it. Unprepared people all over the world will raise a huge lament as they watch the Son of Man blazing out of heaven. I got to read that again. Then comes the arrival. We're talking about capital T, capital A, the arrival. There's a lot of arrivals in earth, folks. This is the arrival. I was glad to see a lot of you arrive at church today. That was a great arrival, but that was small caps. When Jesus comes again, that's the arrival. Then comes the arrival of the Son of Man. It will not be the figment of somebody's imagination. Suddenly the entire planet will realize that the message of Christ was real and they will lament and mourn and wail. His arrival will fill the skies. Nobody will miss it. John the Revelator echoed the same message. Here's what he said out of the Message Bible. Yes, he's on his way. Riding the clouds, he'll be seen by every eye. Those who mocked and killed him will see him. People from all times and all nations will tear their clothes in lament. Every eye will see him. Can I tell you, this is the greatest event in the history of the world, and it will wrap up time as we know it. It will never be the same after the return of Jesus Christ. Mussolini will see him return. Hitler will see him return. Stalin will see him return. The soldiers who hammered those nails through his hands and feet will see his return. Every man, woman, and child ever born and died on this planet will see his return. It will fill the skies. 
He'll be seen in Africa. He'll be seen in India. He'll be seen in Europe. He'll be seen in America. Can you imagine all of the international newscasts will freak out. All the world will come to a standstill when Jesus Christ's return fills the sky. Lightning flashing east to west. Christ stepping down into history again. Standing on the Mount of Olives. Everybody saying, oh no, it's true, it was real. The Bible says this is real. This is what Jesus predicted. This was his answer to the questions. What will be the sign of your return? And Jesus answered this way. And my friend, on that day, at that time, that's when it's too late. That's when there are no more chances. The Bible says when he lands on the Mount of Olives, Jesus said in the remainder of Matthew 25, he said at that time, he will separate the saved from the lost, symbolized as sheep and goats. The angels will be released to the four corners of the world. They will gather together the entire human race unto Jesus Christ. And they will all be brought before Jesus Christ. They will all see the one they either loved or mocked. They'll look at the one they embraced or rejected. The angels will gather all together. It says in Matthew 24, 31, at that same moment, he'll dispatch his angels with a trumpet blast summons, pulling in God's chosen from the four winds, from pole to pole. Then scripture says he separates them. The Message Bible puts it this way. All the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out. Much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right hand and goats to his left. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who we worship this morning, whose spirit we sensed, who has redeemed our souls, that one will be there now as the Lion of Judah, judging the nations with a scepter of righteousness. And his x-ray vision will peer through all pretense, all phoniness, all who have said they were but they weren't born again. He'll look through every motive, every thought and intent of the heart, and he will separate. He will separate. In this world, as we saw in the parable of the faithful and the evil servant, it's so difficult sometimes to tell the lost from the found, the authentic from the phony, the genuine from the fake, the lost from the saved. But on that last day, when he returns, according to his own words, he alone will separate. He'll separate. Nobody's going to be going then, I want to say something. Matter of fact, Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name and heal the sick in your name and do many wonderful things in your name but the one who sees all and knows all will say I never knew you depart from me and there will be a separation I tell you folks what a somber moment that will be that's why I say all the time a church doesn't save you four walls don't save you the name on a building doesn't save you. Good attendance doesn't save you. Never getting a traffic ticket doesn't save you. Only the blood of the Lamb saves you. And when Jesus judges the nations, the only defense that the sheep will have is, 
I believed in you. The blood, the blood, the blood. He'll say, go to my right. Go to my right. But we did many wonderful works in your name. We this and we that. And notice how these people who Jesus depicted for us are talking all about works and nothing about their own salvation. And he'll say, to my left. But I know them. I was in church with them. I sat there every Sunday with them. Why me to the left? And I think there'll be some over here. I knew them. I thought, I thought, oh no. Why them to the left? And not over here. It's because it all comes down to were you saved? Born again. Jesus said, it's this simple. I never knew them, but I was in relationship with these. See, a lot of people are going to be at this time, and this separation is going to be happening. And they're going to realize, oh, I played church. I played church. I was just playing church. I sang the songs. I was there, and I even told the preacher a good message sometimes. I was just playing church, though, because I was in church Sunday and living like hell the rest of the week. I wanted my cake and eat it, too. But now I hear those words to my left, to the right. Jesus said this, and at that point, you cannot say, well, I receive you now. I receive you now. I believe it now. Mm -mm. In that parable, Jesus said to the five virgins who were unprepared, he said, I don't know you. Go away. Folks, we have not been called to a religion. We haven't been called to a set of rules and regulations. We've been called to a relationship. And the only way into that relationship is the blood, the blood of Jesus. You can't pick your God. You can't pick your Savior. You can't pick your Messiah. He's already been chosen for us by God. And when we receive Christ, he brings us into relationship. Those are the ones that are going to the right. What a somber thing to hear the words, to my left, to my left. Now, as he closes this out, there's something he says that amazes me. He then judges the nations. And the criterion by which he judges is exclusively based on what we have done or not done in our dealings with others. As we saw in the parable, the faithful and the evil servant, the faithful servant gave the members of God's household their food in due season. But the one who quit believing in his return and turned away started to beat people up and abuse them. So Jesus uses as his criterion for judgment how we treated others because that reveals and confirms and validates that we've got a real faith. Now I want to be clear. Jesus is not saying that works save us. They don't. But that our salvation should produce works of compassion towards others if it's real. Works don't save you, but works do testify whether or not you've been saved. Amen. I mean, the Bible tells you, you get saved, it's going to show. Old song we used to sing, if you're saved and you know it, say amen. If you're saved and you know it, praise the Lord. Well, if you're saved and you know it, it ought to be working itself out, according to Jesus Christ, into works of mercy and compassion towards other people. Listen to James. Listen to James on this. Again, the Message Bible. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this? If you learn all the right words but never do anything, you got to talk down. You know, I learned a long time ago, just because something says praise the Lord and Jesus is the Lord and hallelujah doesn't mean it's authentic. 
James says, don't do you any good if you've got all the right words, but you don't do anything. He goes on. For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved, and you say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? I call it drive-by mercy. You see a need, you say God bless you, and you drive by. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God actions is outrageous nonsense? If you're saved, it's going to show. And Jesus believed this so much, he said, I know that my sheep will be recognizable. Their faith will be validated by the fact that they showed mercy on others. So he turns first to the righteous. And here's what he says. I was hungry and you fed me. Thirsty and you gave me drink. Homeless and you gave me a room. Shivering and you gave me clothes. Sick and you stopped to visit. In prison and you came to see me. Now the righteous are stunned. And so are the goats over here. Because nobody expected him to say this. And the righteous said, Lord, when did we see you sick? When did we see you in prison? When were you hungry and we fed you? We don't remember this. This must be something that happened and it's been blocked out of our memory. Jesus said, no, 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 you don't get it. Let me tell you when you did it for me. Whenever you did one of these things to somebody overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Now, I got to tell you folks, it's clear to me that Jesus here is expecting that when real saving faith comes into our souls, it's eventually going to find its way out in compassion and mercy. And I find that at the top of Jesus' list is acts of mercy and compassion towards those who cannot return the favor. Prisoners, hungry, thirsty, hospitalized. I can't bring that back to you. Jesus said, guess what? When you went to them, you went to me. Whoa. The other day I was going through a stop sign and there was a guy begging right over here. And I don't give to the ones in uniforms carrying the buckets with all the stuff on them because I figure that's a cult. But this guy, terrible. Mental illness all over his face. And probably uh, alcoholic, I don't know beard and sat there and of course you know how you do when you stop you act like you don't see them <laughs> fixing that radio some mess that on my seat and you're looking out your peripheral vision for that red to turn green so you can get away from them and they're looking right at you and I thought of this verse you know and so quickly I pulled out a, I forget five one I don't remember it was a bill wadded it up and the light turned right then and I just I said I can't stop I threw it at him I'm going to tell you, it broke my heart because he just lunged for it, scooped it up, and I thought, that could be me, but by the grace of God, I'm here today. That could be you. And when I did that, I could almost hear Jesus say, thanks. Now, I don't think you ought to be taken for a fool and give money away foolishly, but the principle remains true, that when you do it, for the neglected, the abused, 
You're doing it to him. Now, this is how he judges them. And he turns to the ones on the left and on the right, and they're all stunned by this. And so here's the message, folks. Jesus is saying so clearly, I'm going to know mine, the real, from the phony, because if they're really saved, they're going to get my heart. And my heart of compassion is going to begin to work through their lives. And it's going to show. Not all talk and no do. Talk and then do. That's why I'm so glad to go to Reunion Arena. There's going to be people there who may be dead the next day, dead the next week, in jail or in prison. I fully expect all kinds of satanic assignments to be canceled. Assignments that Satan has put over some of those people's lives will be canceled by the blood of the Lamb when they get saved. And that's why we don't charge. Thank God. We're not charging. We're just going to take up an offering. Freely we have received. Freely give. I want to go to them. And so how do we take this last message of the Lord? Real simple. Look for ways to get the goods of the kingdom to others. Become involved in outreaches. He's coming back to divide sheep from goats and to judge the authenticity of people's faith and to reward the faithful. He's coming back. And having said all of that, he closed out and he finished and he walked away. So there we got the general signs, the three parables, take care of yourself, take care of others, and take care of my goods. And then we've got this. Be sure your Christianity works itself out in helping others in whatever way you can find. And that's a proof that you got real faith in you. Not a million dollars in the bank, but how much are you helping people? Amen? Amen. Now you want to try saying bye. Oh, I want to be a sheep. I am a sheep. I want to walk like he wants me to. Because he says to those on his right, enter into the joy of your Lord, to the kingdom that has been prepared for you before the foundations of the world. And off they go. Amen. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. Amen. Inasmuch as you give a cup of cold water in my name, you get a reward. Who's around you who you could just reach out to? Where could you give a little bit of your time? And now, please understand me as I close. Not to earn your salvation. It's already been paid for. But because he's called us to touch other people. That's part of our calling. Who can you bless? A woman here today came up to me and she comes to the healing line every time. She has emphysema. And she said, you know, I went to my doctor and I have to go a lot. I got a lung scan, a lung scan. And she said, he said to me afterwards, he said, you're the only emphysema patient I've ever had who got stronger. He said, how are you doing that? And she said, him. And I go down and get prayed for all the time. Where is she? All right, sweetie. There she is. Isn't that right? And he said, you're the only one he's ever seen. Praise God. So we're not just down here doing ritual. This is touching people. Amen. All right, well, let's pray together. Father, we know that we're in the last times. You have made it so crystal clear that you're coming again. You told us plainly 
And Lord, we want to be ready for that return. We don't want to be like the evil servant who quit expecting it, or like the unwise virgins who quit walking with you, or like that one who buried his talent and didn't distribute the goods. We want to be the other. Thanks for listening to this message by Dr. Jeff Wickwire. We trust that it has encouraged, challenged, and taught you truths you can walk out on a daily basis. For more information about Pastor Jeff and Turning Point Church, or to find more great teaching like this, log on to www.tpcfamily.org. Remember that the Word of God abides forever. 